Hi there, I'm Caroline, a recent college grad and your new personal cheerleader. The She Believe podcast is our time to chat as friends and dig deep into the real stuff. I'm here to let you know someone's in your corner and share truth that will help you become more fully who God has created you to be. Thanks for joining the conversation. You are always welcome. Welcome to the She Believe podcast, Jenna. It's great to have you today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Jenna, I'm really looking forward to talking with you today because I believe your story has so many different pieces that women in all different stages can relate to and learn from. But before we really dive in, I'm curious, what is something that's bringing you joy right now? We're in kind of a crazy part of the world. I know you were just sharing before you've been sick the past couple of days. So even if it's something small, what is bringing you joy today? Okay, this is so silly. Um, When I need a pick-me-up, I will pour coffee in an old-fashioned teacup, and it makes me so happy, so I will just put my coffee. It's almost like I still play dress-up, even though I'm, um, you know, an Mm -hmm. adult. I'm still pretending and having myself a tea party. I just put coffee in a teacup, and it makes me happy. (laughs) Do you have tea parties with your little girls? Yes, they love. And William, I have a little almost two-year-old boy. He's all about the tea parties. It's pretty cute. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Can you share just a little background on yourself, like your family, where you grew up, where you are now? Sure. So I actually, I was born in the Midwest. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. <laughs> and then, yeah, I know. I'm so sad. We've, uh, we don't live, I don't live there now. Um, but we, I should say, I went to school in New York City and I lived in New York. I ended up staying there after graduation. So I total, I was in New York about nine years and I met my husband on a blind date. He was living in Pittsburgh at the time and he came out to New York, no name, no photo, nothing. And um, within the year we got married. Wow! (laughs) I moved to Pittsburgh and um, within less than three years, we had three children and it's been a total blur and I'm still I'm now in um, a suburb of Pittsburgh called Sewickley it's a really sweet town and Pennsylvania and and I just stay at home and focus on my children the best that I can and have creative outlets like Everthrift so I love that it's such a good sweet spot to be in your life and you have so much wisdom to share with us having just a little bit older being married having kids So I'm excited to have you on and kind of just share with even our younger crowd today. But I want to begin by bringing us back to when you were a kid. And if you could share some of your passions and things that you did to express your passions even back then. So I'm sure having young kids, I know even having a nephew, like it makes me really nostalgic and be like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to love that as a kid. So what were some of those passions that you had back then? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I have to laugh because I was super into fashion, even as a five-year-old. I <laughs> I played dress up constantly, and I I remember my mom would buy me old bridal magazines, and I would just flip through them and study them, and then I'd I'd get my colored pencils or crayons out and try and to sketch and design my own dresses, and I just I've always had a heart for beauty, for beauty, for beautiful things, um, for fashion, and. And all of that, it was, I, I played, you know, I changed my Barbie's outfits for hours and hours. Um, <laughs> so it's always been something really uh, close to my heart. Um, but I was also very, I was passionate about being outdoors. So you could find me, my mom would go to Goodwill or a thrift store and buy these old dresses from the 70s. And I would 
pretend that they were princess dresses and mm-hmm. I would run out into the woods and because they were kind of old used things that were sort of <laughs> damaged already, I would just get them muddy and ripped, but I would be playing in the woods constantly as well. Um, and just being in nature and, and I also grew up with my mom always gardening. And so I think deep down I had a love of, of natural beauty as well with florals and, um, all of that. And so it's just interesting how, yeah, as I've gotten older and become a mom myself and, and the way that my life, the direction it took and what God called me to do, how it all kind of has come back. Full circle. Yeah. That's so cool. And our conversation today, we'll get more into how you're using those passions today. But I always think it's so beautiful to see that, yeah, like we, we can obviously like adapt new passions and things that we're interested in activities as we get older. But if we really do take the time to like look back or even ask our parents of like those things that we really found like enjoyable as a kid or spend a lot of our time doing, they look different when we're older, but we're still doing some of those same things because from a child that was still there and that still brought us joy. And I, and it's so cool to have that foundation of you sharing that with us. Um, and I love that it starts even as young as like five years old. Like that's so little and to be wanting to design dresses and all of that. That's so fun. Yeah. And I'm curious though. So like growing up, um, I just feel like we live in a culture right now where it's very much so. And, and this was a little bit while back ago for you, not that you're super old, but like it was a little bit different maybe. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure now to not necessarily choose a job that you're passionate about, but choosing something that's going to bring you money or fame or wealth and, yeah, I'm just curious, like, did your passions change as you went through school or did you ever experience like tension in choosing between a line of work that you were passionate about versus a more like practical career? And maybe even just start us out with like what you studied in college and like, did those passions carry through or was there ever a moment where you kind of lost sight of what you wanted? Oh, that's a good, a lot of good questions. I feel like in one. Yeah, that's uh, a lot. So feel free to pick and choose. (laughs) I know. I'm going to pause for a second. Um, I loved being creative. I loved kind of going off the the beaten path and doing my own thing or doing something different from everyone else, which was a little hard in Indiana, in Indianapolis. (laughs) That wasn't really cool. You know, when you're in eighth grade, I remember I cut off all my hair and I want, I wore like thrift shirts and skirts and funky stuff, even as a freshman in high school. And I just, I didn't want to be the status quo or do the status quo. Um, But, you know, it's interesting how in high school, I really had a difficult time after sophomore year, kind of all my passions, all my, um, the things that I love to do sort of faded away. And all of a sudden it became more of a focus for me on just getting by and Mm -hmm. kind of surviving. Um, and a lot happened in high school for me. Uh, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I went through, physically, I changed a lot. So all of a sudden, I think like, you know, I was a very kind of awkward, goofy, (laughs) disproportionate. You would never guess that looking at you now or speaking to you. (laughs) We all have those years, don't we? (laughs) Everybody. Mine hit hard in high school, though. I mean, just acne and the whole nine yards. I mean, literally to the point where I remember coming back after summer break and people being like, whoa. Like, what happened? I don't even recognize you because I had just grown and my braces were off and um, I my, everything was just, literally like my bone structure changed, I think, in high school. But all of a sudden, I, I people started noticing me and um, saying, like, oh, like Janet, she's kind of, she doesn't, she's not too bad. Or, oh, like I started getting invited to things more. Um, and I 
it was all of a sudden I cared way too much. I had all this pressure to keep up appearance or feel like I had to prove to other people about the way I look. Um, and so all of a sudden, my like kind of pure, innocent desires for beauty, for fashion, for all those things, it was really sad. It kind of became twisted and backwards because my, I literally had a backwards equation of what it what it meant to be worthwhile. I, I thought, okay, if I could get somebody to turn their head or to notice me, then maybe I would be um, pretty. And if I was pretty, then maybe I could be considered beautiful to somebody. And if I was beautiful enough to somebody, then maybe I was worth while to love um, and worthy of love. And I realize now looking back, if I could just flip that whole order backwards, it would be like, I know in and of myself, I am worthwhile and worthy of the greatest love. And that in and of itself is truly beautiful. And something truly beautiful cannot help but attract others to its goodness. Um, And I, it's so easy like that. I always feel like the devil really, he works. like with the almost truth and it just flips it on its head. And so it is so painful and so confusing. So I had a really just hard time knowing my worth. Um, Even though I loved the Lord and I had a heart for God always, I think I just sort of, I didn't know like what, what it meant to really love. I didn't know how worthwhile I was inherently as, as, as a woman. Um, And that really made my, you know, in quote passions sort of fall away. And I just, I, again, all I could focus on was just, trying to keep up appearance and try and be worthy of love and just getting myself into a lot of trouble. So long story short, I ended up, you know, in high school, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a particular passion like, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer because all of a sudden I I got really insecure. I was like, I don't know if that's what, you know, I I just got scared and insecure and I thought, oh, that's just too crazy and too silly and not practical enough. And um, I by the grace of God, my parents allowed me to still go to school in New York, not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, that was a huge blessing. But I, so I went to, ended up going to Fordham University in New York City, and I lived in the Bronx campus, um, which was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, it was great. I loved how like foreign and different it was from everything I had ever been around. But Good old um, Indiana, very different. I know. <laughs> I the Bronx it was pretty great. Uh, So I'm rambling now. So just let me know if I... No, this is great. Yeah. So you moved to New York. This is wonderful. I moved to New York. um, And what I loved about New York, you know, when I was 18 or 17, I was just like, oh, you could do... Literally, it's like the cheesiest. It sounds so trite, but you could just walk down the street, wear whatever you want, be whoever you want. And no one looks twice. Like no one looks at you for a split second. You could just... And I felt so free. I think, you know, in Indiana, Indianapolis... I love it so much, but I always felt, even as in high school, if I wanted to be just a little bit different, people notice and people will say something. Or if I wore my vintage crazy clothes back then, you know, people were like, well, who in the world does she think she is? But um, anyway, in New York, there was so much freedom and I, I was so excited. But again, like the same struggles of my worth um, really played a huge part in college. And I was very directionless and I kind of fell away again I would pray and I would you know talk to our Lord but not very consistently and I didn't really have a I didn't really have a good community at school and I I had no direction and again I was just trying to survive like it's really hard I felt like I was living two lives where I wanted to be a good person I wanted to be driven and passionate and I wanted to to do the right things but you know in college it's like how do you how do you find friends? How do you 
how do you get through the weekend really <laughs> without feeling like I just, there were so many times I felt like I was living a double life, like mm. almost living um, a lie where I'd be partying and trying to like just make friends and, and it would go too far. And I had a really hard time. I had a really hard time with boys and relationships and then gotten really unhealthy, terrible cycles with that. And, um, the same same backwards equation I had in high school carried on into college. And uh, I just felt like everything the church taught was like, oh, that's just pie in the sky. That's nice. And that's a nice ideal. But the church teachings, they could just it's not practical. It's not, you can't actually live this out in college. You, there's no, I don't see anybody living out the teachings of the church. Um, I don't know anybody who actually believes like everything the church teaches, all that. And, and so like over time, I just kind of, I didn't know, you know, I didn't make it to every Sunday mass. I didn't really, um, I was really questioning a lot and I was surrounded by people questioning a lot. And so I just, um, long story short, I just chose to be an English major because it was the most big <laughs> and broad major I could think of. I was like, I'll be an English major because I don't know, what does an English major do? I can figure out, I can figure everything out later, um, sort of thing. And I, and I do love literature. Um, I do love the written words, so I thought, okay, I'll just be an English major. Um, and, and within my college experience, I actually uh, got an internship at Elle magazine in the fashion news department. So that was a very God moment where, like, I it, I kind of fell into it, and it was um, a huge blessing, and also one of the most difficult <laughs> things I've been through. It's like the devil wears Prada, but worse, and like <laughs> not glamorous. So. Uh, I was literally running around Manhattan sweating and crying and sobbing on the like Times Square on a street corner because I was getting screamed at for not getting the right moleskin notebook two hours before an editor had to fly off. And anyway, it was there's so many stories like this where I just so I had this directionless kind of path and then all of a sudden it plopped down into this amazing opportunity. It was really hard, but it was amazing. And that was my first taste of the fashion and actual the fashion industry on the editorial side, um, on a magazine side. So I did that for a little over two years and wrote for L.com and it was towards the end of my college, um, actually right before I graduated, like two months that I had a huge reversion and, um, I was working at L and, uh, I was, I had no friends. My boyfriend had just broken up with me. I was kind of, I hit rock bottom. I kind of hated my life, even though I had all these amazing opportunities and, you know, living a charmed life. I was really miserable. And um, it wasn't towards the end of my senior year in college that I met a group of people, um, young adults in New York City that changed my life. And all of a sudden, for the first time, I actually saw people live out the teachings of the church, live out their faith with such joy and authenticity and honesty and vulnerability. And also people that I would want to go get a beer with, you know, after work and hang out with and chat all night and just people I wanted to be around and young women that I wanted to be like, and they inspired me so much. And all, and I, it's so funny. I didn't even know my college offered daily mass. Like that tells you where I was. I was like, I didn't even know. So anyway, I started going to daily mass because my new friends that I had just met, they were doing that. And I was like, that seems extreme and crazy. Um, <laughs> they're kind of weird, but they seem cool. Like, you know, like they're so normal. They're so cool. So I don't know. I guess I'll see if I have a daily mass on my campus. And this was like a month before I graduated. I started going to daily mass. Um, and I remember after one particular mass, um, it was just like in this little classroom, like a small, humble little chapel, no decorations except just a small crucifix on the wall. And I stayed behind after mass was over and 
it was an incredible moment where, and I, I, I could, I don't ever expect this to happen again, but it was an amazing moment. Um, everything faded away. And I looked up and all I could see was that small crucifix. And the truth that Christ was hanging there for me hit me to my core and shook me so much. I just, I knew that truth, that reality, it, it filled every fiber of my being. And the knowledge of that, all of a sudden, nothing else mattered. Who I was, what I looked like, where I was, what I was going to do. And nothing mattered except Christ on that cross. And I vowed, like, I got up kind of shaky and I just, like, walked out and I thought, my life can never be the same again. I can't go, I can't live the double life anymore. I can't pretend that this isn't all, you know, this this is real. This is, this is the truth. Um, and it, so it set me on a path. I graduated, like, I don't know, a couple weeks later, and I had no idea. What ex- then I really had no idea what I was going to do. I actually, I had an opportunity to stay at L Magazine, and I left it because I, I didn't want to be in that toxic, a really harsh world. Um, and I also, I knew I was so shook <laughs> by our Lord. I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? So what I ended up doing is I just got a job to pay for rent in New York. I was like an executive assistant, pretty much like a secretary. But it allowed me to stay in New York. It allowed me to grow and learn and to be around this amazing community of young adults who were such good witnesses for me. And during that time, I had, I for the first time, I learned what the church actually taught. I had no idea about the feminine genius, about the dignity of women. I had, I mean, I just, I had no idea that the church had so much richness and and life and fire within it. And and just the truth was so staggering for me. Um, I was like, why is no one talking about this? And why is no one showing it? So I. Shortly after I graduated and had my reversion, and I knew about the dignity of women now, and I really knew it, and I. I just wanted to be able to produce. I think I had this inspiration of like, I love fashion. I love photography. I love, you know, doing that whole photo shoot thing. It's so cool and fun. I just wanted to create a a fashion spread that showed the dignity of women without actually having to say it. I wanted to have beautiful, high quality work and beautiful aesthetic and design, you know, and I wanted it to be something that was really positive and good for women. And so that was the seeds of Verily. And I just, um, I spent some time on my own calling and randomly calling people and researching how to start a magazine. And then um, shortly after, I met a bunch of really, we ha- I went to brunch with a bunch of my Catholic girlfriends in New York. And uh, I'm going to pause because I'm going on forever. <laughs> Janet, this is wonderful. I, I set you up for this. I gave you a lot of questions. So keep know, going. I'm this sorry. Is- I'm like, this is the story of Verily. And then I'm just going to keep talking. And I'm like, do you want me to pause? This is when I said at the beginning that like your story has a point that I think every woman can relate to, like just listening you, like listening to the progression of from high school to college, through college, even just that moment that you just shared about like being in the chapel and looking up at Jesus on the cross and then graduating college and not knowing what you were going to do and then starting barely like you. I think you just hit so many different places where even as you were talking, I myself was like picturing myself in my own life of like at all those different places and thinking like okay some of those I'm I'm kind of at the place right now where you kind of just stopped like I just graduated college here I am didn't really know what was coming next and now I'm just starting to settle into that and of of where you left off is where my life right now (laughs) sometimes so hey pretty ironic but 
there's there are a few things before we jump into Verily. I definitely want to get more into that story, but I just want to focus on yeah. of just a lot of what you were saying about just being in high school, especially and feeling like you had to fit in with a certain crowd and how you felt freedom when you went to New York City because you felt like you could express yourself. And I think this whole episode, I really want it to be focused around how do we share our passions and how do we live that out without being influenced by other people or by thinking that we have to have some practical reason or that there has to be like some clear, even financial purpose to what we're doing, but that we can just do these things because it brings us joy. And how so often, especially as women, I think we do these things like we started as kids and then we continue to do in our teens and then we push them aside because we say, A, we're not the best. B, someone judges us because we're doing this or you just, you know, like you lose sight of who you are and you get focused so much on yourself. Really, I think it becomes like you're hyper aware of yourself and what other people think of you that then you just feel like, oh, I should do nothing because I'm going to get judged no matter what it is. And I think that's something that I find that's so relatable in your story for everyone, no matter what it is. And and whether they went far off the end and kind of like fell into maybe a not so good scene like you described in your college years, or even if they continued along in their faith, like I don't think even that's the part that matters. I think there's so many of us that no matter where we go with it, we let those passions die because of X, Y, or Z. And that's where I want to begin with that story of Verily because It's beautiful to see that that seed was planted so young and maybe it got lost in the soil, but now it's starting to sprout again. And how beautiful that is that God can continue to bring that up in different seasons. And so bring us back to that moment. You mentioned a brunch that you and your friends were going to gather for brunch. So can you bring us to that moment? And what was that conversation now that you have these women in your life that are encouraging you, inspiring you? Like that that moment. And I hope that these women that are listening feel that like this community, this She Believe community is that example of there are women out there who are living their faith. So I hope that they're in that place right now. Even even if they're just online, they don't have real people in real life yet, like trusting that God's going to provide that. But what did that conversation look like with women that were in a similar season of life as you were? Yes. So a lot of us were post-grad young professionals and we met for brunch, which was something we tried to do in New York, which is so fun. But I remember um, we were lamenting back then. I mean, I feel like I'm so old, but back then, (laughs) no, I mean, there was no Instagram really. I mean, that hadn't really hit, hit the scene yet. And there were really only like the classic magazines, Glamour, Cosmo, Vogue, Elle, like that those were kind of the guideposts and the signposts for women. And that's kind of what everyone was still reading in more so online, I guess was, that was the new thing, but we were all lamenting like just how bad, um, it has had gone for women to the point where women were expected to be everything, to be driven, brilliant, smart, sexy, you know, the ad, I mean, it, like the physical pressure was one thing, but we also were supposed to be everything to everybody else. And we're supposed to be breaking the glass ceiling and killing it in the workplace. And, being the perfect, you know, girlfriend. And it was just, it was insane. And it still is. I think, um, and the pressures haven't changed really that much. Maybe just the medium (laughs) that they come across and are, you know, even more so on Instagram sometimes. But, um, so I, I was friends with teachers. Um, one of my good friends was in working in wall street and another good friend was a nurse. We were just had all different backgrounds. Um, but we all felt so deeply affected by the image of the perfect woman that we were constantly bombarded with. And I, I had spoken up and said, you know, actually I'm kind of researching right now how to start a magazine. And, (laughs) and I think I really want to do that someday. 
I just want to create like an awesome, beautiful photo shoot that, you know, upholds the dignity of the woman without having to say it and, uh, and have real relationship advice and not sex tips. Like I actually want to know how to be, you know, a good friend, a good, a good daughter, all these things. So anyway, I was laughing because I'm just, it's so funny to me that my friend Kara, who was working on Wall Street at the time, she just dropped her fork and stopped and she's like, we have to do this right now. And I was like, um, I'm not right now. I mean, like in the future, like I need to learn how to do this. And I don't know, you know, I, she's like, no, 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 we got to do this right now. So literally that night we got little notebooks out, sat together on a couch and planned out fairly. Like we, we spent actually four months doing intense research and talking and we just, I ended up becoming her roommate. And, um, so Kara Ashback and I co-founded Verily and it was only after about four or five months that we assembled, um, the original editorial team and went from there. And it's been, that's like its own whole story, but, um, it's amazing how I think the Holy Spirit really hit her <laughs> like lightning. She was like, no, we're doing this right now. And I just felt like I don't have the resources. I, we are so young. Um, there's no way anyone's going to take us seriously. Um, but by the grace of God, we just kept, we, and it was really good that we kept going because we learned so much along the way and it was really humbling. And in a lot, in a lot of ways we felt like it wasn't really us. It's like, no, this is, <laughs> you know, we are just small little tools, um, to try and get this sort of positive media out there for women. Uh, so anyway, that's that's kind of the very beginnings of Verily and what happened. Wow. And it's so neat to see that even just you voicing that of in your own mind, like so often we have these ideas, I think, and we talk ourselves down or like, in the future, I'll do this or when I'm older, when I have more money. And the fact when we speak them out loud and like we allow other people into those dreams and we allow God into them, especially is when he's like, no, actually, like, I don't want fear to keep you back from this. I want you to do this now. And like your friend Kara and the co-founder, like she was that inspiration and God had moved her too in that moment. Clearly she dropped her fork and was like, this is serious. And yeah, we're doing it right now. And yeah. Yeah. It's such a testament to that. It took a it took a tribe of women to do Verily. It was there were so many people um, involved, and it, it, just to make it to create it, it, they had we just had so many people in our lives that came in and helped us get it off the ground. So, yeah, it's just a testament to the incredible community and for the need. I think when when there is a need and you do feel called to do something about it, just take the step forward because people join people will join you as a need. You know. I think you're exactly right. When we see that that needs being met, it's also that encouragement to keep going and then other people join your tribe and it's not just you anymore and it gives you that reason to keep pursuing. So I'm curious, what did those first couple of years look like in Verily and in your role and even just getting back into those passions of when that left when you were in high school and even in college when you were still like, what am I supposed to do? And especially being in the industry, but now starting it and revolutionizing it in your own work. Yeah, just like, Take me through like what your mind, your heart was going through during that season of um, just your time, especially working at Verily. Yeah. Oh man. So I so I had a little taste of the industry of working for a fashion magazine and and working in the fashion news department specifically. So I had that going for me. But it's not like you know it was an internship and then I did online writing. It's not like I I was an expert by any means. But at least I had a sense of this is kind of how it works, you know. But. Um, Gosh, those were humbling years, the first couple of years of Verily, because even though I had an experience at L, it was a whole new ground for me to literally 
I had never art directed before. I had never um, worked really hands-on with stylists and models and uh, photographers and makeup artists and prop stylists. And I mean, it was a whole thing that I just had to kind of pick up and and do and kind of act like I knew what I was doing in the beginning. But it was amazing to me to see because I had a, a new heart, because I had a new understanding of a new worldview, really, and a new understanding of, of women, I I really felt called to work in the fashion industry and try to, had to figure out ways to communicate how what we wanted to do differently with Verily, uh, even visually. So for instance, you know, working with a photographer and having him shoot certain angles that it literally, because a lot of the fashion industry, it's regardless of what you think, I mean, it's objectifying women, even something doesn't matter how clothed a woman could be it literally just the angle of the camera or the posing like the how the model poses or I mean, there's so many things um, to communicate modesty without having to say it uh, is really tricky. And for people who have no idea like what you're going for. So I had a really interesting time. I had a lot of models hug me and cry because they they were like, I've never been treated this way on set. I've never, I've never had anybody speak to me this way and and treat me this way and not expect me to to, to look in a certain way. Because a lot of times, what I had to do is like deconstruct models, <laughs> like what they'd been trained to do. I just was like, just smile, be yourself, like you know, give them kind of some prompts like that, and they were so moved. Um, it, I just knew, I was like, gosh, we're doing the right thing. And a lot of photographers were really excited. Once they got it, they, they were excited to work with us. Uh, and stylists, too. I had to I had to get, figure out how to talk to stylists um, and give them boundaries for the kinds of clothes that we want to feature. Um, and it's it was just fascinating to me. And I had to kind of learn all this. So working in the fashion industry, I'm thankful that we... And it was a secular magazine. Verily was always a secular publication. We never referenced religion or faith. We all, you know, had a specific worldview that we wanted to portray, but we really wanted Verily to be something that tilled the hearts of women to think differently about the world, to all of a sudden think about, you know, themselves and how they interacted and engaged with the world differently. And and to do that through design, through good writing, through good visuals. So anyway, that the first couple of years were really um, crazy and and amazing at the same time and hard and lots of hard work but um I was so happy I think the bet that I I wrote a lot I was telling you earlier how I <laughs> I wrote a lot of fashion articles I think to the point where I'm like I don't know if I could write another one again I'm so <laughs> out of I have no that. more tips <laughs> I know like I'm out of tips but um no I'm just laughing, teasing but um yeah I think Verily was and I, I was as style and beauty editor, I should clarify. So that was my role specifically. And so that's why I was doing all the photo shoots and doing all that kind of content and working with models and, and all that. Um, but it was very eye-opening for me too, um, just to see how bad the industry really was and how they were treating women. Yeah, I remember coming across Verily for the first time in high school. And it was through like a Facebook article. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know if someone shared it or if it was an ad, but I remember clicking on it because it was so beautiful. And oh. the title, and I wish I remembered what it was, but it was something about relationships. Uh-huh. And I clicked on it and I just remember reading it and thinking like, is this a Christian magazine? Like, it yeah. doesn't, it didn't say anything about religion, but I was like, this sounds like so Christian. And I just remember like, 
going through the whole website and being like so amazed. I think that day I applied, like I emailed them. I saw something about internships. I was like, uh, do you have any open internships? So it's funny that like our paths are crossing now <laughs> and it, they weren't accepting interns at the time. And I was young too. And so it was just so funny to even just to see of like the goal that you had in being a secular company. Mm-hmm. secular magazine of like just wanting to bring that beauty and the truth of the church and of like the faith that you have but making that accessible for everyone that maybe is a little turned off by the faith or has been hurt or doesn't understand the truth and that's not going to understand that of like it just opens up the doors for truth beauty and goodness to everyone instead of just a specific group of people and that is something that I'm so passionate about like I just think that is so important of we're not just meant to go out and like share share the goodness and truth with the people that are already Christian and Catholic. Like we're supposed to go make disciples of all nations Mm -hmm. and that we have to be willing to do that. So thank you. Like you, you touched my heart. I'm glad I, we have, I don't think I've ever shared that with you. So it's cool to see that. Yeah. What an honor to be able to talk with you and to just recall that time of like, I, as a young woman, like it was so impactful in my life to see the goodness in the media when there's so much going on, especially when I was yeah. young with social media and Instagram being like really big and yeah. yeah, it does a lot to you as a young girl. So it's so important to have good media to consume and to be encouraging and truthful. Yeah. Oh. So Janet, um, yeah, now we kind of touched on at the beginning that you're a mom now, you're no longer working with Verily. So you made that transition. Um, and as we kind of close out to the end here, I want to highlight the fact that you now own this wonderful company. Would you call it a company? <laughs> Actually, yes. Officially, it is now. I... <laughs> oh my gosh. Congratulations. Okay. So a wonderful company called yeah. Everthrift. Yeah. Um, so I really want to touch on that because I think this is wonderful. And just to see, I think it really highlights how through different seasons, like God uses our passions in different ways. Even as we talked through before, this is just another beautiful example of how when we step away from something, it does give us the opportunity to say yes to something else. So can you share a little bit about what Everthrift is and really just your inspiration and passion behind why you started that and what that looks like for you now, especially as your role as a mother in leading this company as well? Sure. Um, So after I I took a break from Verily with the birth of my firstborn, and I really wanted to focus on just being a mom. And it was a really hard transition for me. And I think motherhood shocked me in ways I wasn't expecting. Um, For better and worse, too, it really shook me up. But um, I needed to be shaken. And it's so I really have spent the past few years just focused on being a mom and to three little ones, uh, four, three, and almost two now. But it was a, in the beginning, it was a little crazy. Still, <laughs> Still crazy, crazy, I'm sure. <laughs> Still crazy. Yep. Um, and I actually I went back to barely here and there to work on some projects when I could in between each of you know each of my three different births, but. Um, and then you know, the, barely came under new management and new editorial team and. Um, that was, I feel really, it's been good, I think, a good closing of that chapter and kind of letting myself be quiet and sit and think about, one, just focusing on what I'm called to do in the present. And it's day after day of doing that, I found organically our Lord was really giving me inspiration, just even around the house to get creative again. Um, and I would have my own little creative outlets that I did just for the pure joy of learning and doing it, whether it's growing and arranging flowers or you know, just house stuff, all that good stuff. I was just sort of always had something creative with my doing something with my hands. And then 
Um, I remember after William, my third, was born, he, <laughs> I would drop off donations at St. Vincent de Paul, a thrift store in, near our house. And I would always, I'd run in and just for fun, I'd take the stroller with me and I'd just race through the racks and see if I could find anything really cool. And, <laughs> and then one day I took a video of it on Instagram and I found all this really cool stuff because I've, I've loved thrifting since I was in high school, back when I wore really funky clothes and <laughs> liked to be super different. So anyway, I, I started thrifting again a couple of years ago, actually, more regularly because, one, I my body has changed so much with having, you know, just sizes change constantly, um, <laughs> having three kids. And then I also love, I love vintage clothes and I love really unique, cool, funky stuff still, um, but that's still feminine and wearable. So I'm, I'm laughing. I'd like push my stroller through these thrift stores and I'd hold up clothes on Instagram for friends. They'd be like, does anyone want this? It's not my size, but it's awesome. And someone needs to have this skirt or like, I love this jacket. Just, you know, too big for me or whatever. And um, people would DM me and be like, oh, I totally want that. And I would just start, I would start thrifting for friends. And A then, personal shopper. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like just organically grew from just this pure joy of finding these treasures in thrift stores and then giving them to friends. And, and then I started selling them here and there. And that's that was like back in 2018, which is crazy. Wow. I started doing that. Um, so that's how Everthrift was born, actually. And then once a month, I'd just grab as much. I'd go to thrift stores, and I'd actually create, like, these little collections that I love. So I'd, something would visually inspire me, and then I'd create – I'd have fun finding these things that would fit within the collection in thrift stores. And then I'd take photos, edit them, put them on Instagram, and – I, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I've been so humbled and excited that people are like down for it. You know, <laughs> I'm cracking up. I'm like, I had no idea other people were as passionate about thrift and vintage as me, but, um, it's been really, now I actually have a, a website, a shop and I'm hoping to grow and expand it to include more ethical fashion and sustainable pieces, um, as well as vintage and thrift always. So it's, Ooh, it's been a blur. I still, you know, I just take my kids thrifting or I get a babysitter sometimes. And that's really a real treat because then I can really race through, uh, through a store and grab all this great stuff. I love that. It's so funny because you were sharing earlier about how you would design these photo shoots and you'd be the creative director. And to see now that like you're still doing that, it looks so different, but you're still getting to pick <laughs> out the outfits. Now you get to be the stylist too and the curator and then take the photos and share them and Guys, if you don't follow Janet's Everthrift page on Instagram, you need to check out her website. She'll share more about that at the end. But like your photos are so gorgeous and lifestyle and they look like magazine quality. Like it makes you, yeah, it just is just so captivating. And I think it does such a good job of just reflecting the beauty of a woman and yeah, just showing like our uniqueness and thrifting too. I know, um, yeah. Do you want to just share a little bit about that of why specifically thrifting is important to you? I I've pulled this quote from your website because I think it's really beautiful. So as we close out, I want this kind of just be that closing message. But it says, wearing vintage or secondhand is wearing something utterly unique and unreputable. And I think that reflects a bit of who we are as women. And I love that because I, especially in context now to the story that you've shared about your life of just learning too what it means to be a woman and going through those seasons of one feeling like an outcast and then that season of getting noticed and having attention and then what do I do with that and now just your role as a mother and sharing that with the world through your work so yeah what does that quote mean to you now and how does that inspire the work that you've done in the work that you continue to do well I am I really believe that fashion communicates who we are and who we want to be it's it speaks volumes without having to say anything 
um, what we choose to wear is just an extension of who we are. And I think, and I think it's so important to one, you know, not take it so seriously. I mean, it is, it's a beautiful manifestation of the heart of women and, and our dignity to dress in a way that reflects, you know, who we are and who we're called to be. But also I think I've always believed that fashion should just be fun and it should be something that makes you smile. And, and it's amazing how, you know, not only our actions, but again, like how we present ourselves and how we are and, and engage with the world is so important for pointing back to the truth. And I think beauty leads you to the truth, leads you to goodness. And so something as silly and seemingly frivolous as style and beauty and fashion, um, they really are means of communicating really necessary truths. <laughs> and um, it's really empowering for women. So I felt that strongly with Verily and, and creating an alternative magazine and having these beautiful photo shoots and these style, the style content. Um, and it's translated now, even as a young mom. So I think that understanding of of how powerful fashion and style can be, it translated into Verily, obviously, with producing an alternative magazine for women and an alternative, positive, beautiful imagery for women. Um, but also, it's kind of organically come back into my life with Everthrift because I, I really believe at any stage of your life, it's so important to like, discover your own personal style, to have fun expressing it. And I think with thrift and vintage, it's so unique. And when you quoted that, I really do believe um, every woman has their own inherent dignity and it's very unique and specific. And femininity doesn't look like one cookie cutter mold of what, you know, a woman should look like, or, you know, it doesn't have to be a super frilly feminine dress. You know, you could totally, I'm a jeans and button down kind of girl. So <laughs> as she's wearing that outfit right now, <laughs> and I just looked at it like, yep, jeans and a button down. Um, no, but I just think that I find thrift and vintage so exciting because it not one, it's sustainable and ethical, which I mean, that's always been important to me, but it actually wasn't like the driving force for why I do what I do. Being was trying to encourage other women to think outside the box when it comes to their style and, and to have more fun and be more lighthearted about it. And I also think that there's something really powerful to find a piece that speaks to you and that you know no one else will have because maybe it's this really funky dress from the 80s or maybe it's this 90s you know floral skirt that makes you re reminds you of your mom and it just makes you happy and when you wear clothes that make you happy it makes all the difference in the world um and so i think for really for me everthrift is just an extension and a continuation of me hoping and praying to encourage women to live out their dignity, to live out who they are called to be in their own specific, unique way. Um, again, femininity looks so different for each woman. Um, and clothes are just such a fun, fun way. Um, it's kind of like the icing on the cake <laughs> of just like, let's just have fun and, you know, discover more. I think for me personally, thrift gives me a challenge. I like having only, if I'm only going to shop ethical, you know, and I can do it affordably, thrift is like an amazing, fun way um, to kind of get creative and figure out, okay, how could I wear these things or what can I do to like make it more modern and wearable? So yeah, here we, here I am today, still thrifting like a crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing such an excellent job and too, just sharing such truth and wisdom and encouragement with women. So thank you. Like the, as silly as that sounds like you thrifting is really changing the hearts of women and the way that they see themselves and their dignity. And so you're doing incredible work. Thank you. 
So Janet, I end every podcast with the same question. And so now it is your turn, the anxiously awaited. What is that one promise that you believe the Lord has fulfilled in your life? Big or small, anything. Let's hear it. Uh, His mercy endures forever. He broke into my life at the end of college and changed everything. Um, And divine mercy was part of that for me. Um, It just changed everything. I never, you know, I'd kind of done anything and everything you could think of when I was in high school and college and was pretty broken, broken down. Um, But his mercy, it's it's amazing to me still to contemplate his mercy. Um, It's never ending. And it's always, always ready for the taking, like, no matter what. And so I think I just hope and pray that anybody listening can have courage to keep moving forward, to not be afraid to, um, to trust in his mercy. Beautiful. Thank you. That is a good reminder for all of us, no matter what our lives or paths look like right now. So thank you. Oh, Janet, it has just been a breath of fresh air getting to talk with you today. Thank you so much. It's just, you're just such a joy. Um, if other people want to know more about you and want to shop Everthrift, where can they go to find you and learn more? Oh, sure. So on Instagram is where I do a lot of Everthrift. So that's um, at Everthrift is the Instagram handle. And shopeverthrift.com is the website where you can actually purchase the clothes. Um, and then my personal account is Janet S Easter on Instagram. So you can catch me just wrangling my kids and playing with flowers and <laughs> give her a follow. She has great content <laughs> and such beautiful oh, content too. You know, as, as women, I think that's something that like, I mean, I know I do it. Like I'll follow people just because I think their aesthetic is really beautiful. So yeah, no shame there. Oh, Janet will give you that pleasure. Oh, thank you. Janet, thank you again so much. Everyone listening, make sure that you give her a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, could you please share it to your social page? You can take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your story. Let us know maybe what your passion project is or maybe your biggest takeaway from today. Um, But as always, please tag me at Caroline Rose Owens and please feel free to tag Janet or Everthrift as well. I know she would love to see that. So thank you. And if you're listening for the first time, we'll be here again next Monday as we are every week. So thanks for listening and may God bless you. Thanks for joining us, Janet. Thank you so much. Bye.